0: It right,
1: looks like we're we're underway. So uh, we're really excited to, to be officially uh, underway with our newest show. That'll be part of the new the climb in the pocket and Daily Norseman family. Uh, this new show is going to be called "Climb in the Pocket Fantasy." Uh, I'm your host Miles Gorham, and with me is my co-host Flip Mozzie. Flip, how you doing, man?
0: I'm good, man. Let's go. I'm a, I'm excited to be entering the fantasy world with with you and the other climbing the pocket people we got on the on the platform so this is an exciting new start another chapter in the Climb in the Pocket universe.
1: Yeah man I'm really excited too I think I think we're really going to be, be able to bring a, a different style to the uh, the Climb in the Pocket and Daily Norseman uh, rotation that we have and we've got a lot of great shows. Um, one thing that I'm really excited about is just to kind of dive deep into fantasy football with you and to, and to be able to talk about different the different strategies the different uh styles of fantasy that that you that you're in the league the type of leagues you're in the type of leagues i'm in and kind of just run with it um so with that i mean let's get started um you know today's topic or today's discussion is really going to be about um our overall uh draft strategy for fantasy because i know uh a lot of people going to going to go into fantasy drafts with so many different ideas in their heads about what, what the best approach is going to be, uh, who are the players they're targeting, whether it's in a snake draft, auction, um, how it how it affects you in a PPR league compared to a non-PPR or half-PPR uh, bit, uh, excuse me, if it's a super flex, if it's a keeper league, if it's a dynasty. So there's so many different variables that go into uh, fantasy drafts that uh, I really want to dive in with you, Flip, that uh, we're going to talk about. So I can tell you guys real quick that – um, some of the main leagues that I'm really involved in, I've done a little bit of everything. Um, so if you have any questions with on that, don't feel feel free to reach out. But because um, I think fantasy, uh, it really crosses over across all different platforms based off of the um, the league you're in. But um, I'm really into the the the, PP, the full PPR leagues, auction drafts, dynasty, and uh, I love redraft. Um, but I think with redraft, I think auction really provides that that true opportunity to uh, have, it it gives everybody that true opportunity to to get that one player that you really want or the multiple players you want to get through um, bidding. So flip, what, what kind of uh, leagues that are you in right now and what are your preferred leagues?
0: Yeah, definitely. So my favorite league is a full PPR auction draft league where we get two keepers per year. And I know a lot of people are kind of nervous about both redraft or keepers they prefer redraft and a lot of people prefer the snake draft compared to the auction and i really recommend i had those concerns too when i first started doing keepers i was nervous about how you know is it going to keep one team good for several years and you're never going to be able to get out the basement but you can structure it so everybody's competitive every year it just gives you some continuity with your players because Ultimately, fantasy football is about the players, getting to know them, getting to appreciate players who don't necessarily play for your favorite team. So I highly recommend just one or two keepers. Try it out if you haven't yet. And then auction draft, it does take a bit longer to put on compared to the snake draft, but again, highly recommend it. It's really cool to be able to bid on every single player in the draft to set up your strategy to go after the stars you want to avoid the people you don't want, but still try to drive up their price, really engaging and really fun. So that's, that's my main way to go is a keeper league, just two keepers and an auction draft system. Yeah,
1: that's great. And I'm, I can say that I've only done keeper leagues a few times and they're really fun because it's a different style of strategy. Just like a dynasty league is you're, you're really determining The guys you draft and the rounds you draft them as looking into the future a little bit, Uh, because you ideally in a keeper league you want to make sure that if you're doing a two keeper league, you want to make sure that you're getting the best value for your buck down the road. So I know most keeper leagues you're really looking at if you spent a first round pick on a guy. I know some leagues don't allow you to to keep that guy at all, Um, or they Mm -hmm. if let's say it's the second round you have to spend you have to use your first round pick on that player if they're from the second round from the previous year and so on and so forth. So there's so many different ways to do it. Um, it's just a lot of fun. I think any way you, um, you go about it. Uh, one thing that I, I think I really wanted to get into with you flip is based off of these different styles of leagues, what what kind of true strategy that you have going into each one of them, because they're all different. I know for me, oh, yeah. when, when I first joined in uh, my first auction league uh, years back, I knew that that strategy was a lot different than a snake draft for me. I knew that I had to make sure I budgeted correctly. I had to make sure I've, you know, and I've tried different strategies each year because it's so different. Um, not everyone's a. I don't think there's an exact right way to do things. I don't think there's an exact wrong way to do things. I just think it's about what fits for you and uh, what helps you strive for success in a, in a in an auction draft to help you for that that season. So uh, I wanted to, to you know, ask you, Flip, what are some key strategies you have when you go into uh an auction draft whether it's uh for your keeper leagues you know in, in a full ppr league uh or super or uh, excuse me or dynasty whatever it is what what kind of strategies are you are you really uh, going into with those
0: yeah you know just like you said i think most of my opponents in the league make fun of how over prepared i get going into these leagues because i'm not leaving any stone unturned
1: i can picture this too uh I, I, I'm i excited to get into a league with you flip, but I can, I can already, I already know that I can picture exactly how that, how you go into it. You have all these sheets of paper, you have your glasses, you have whatever it is <laughs> that pen or pencil. So you're, you're racing, you're, you're making your moves. I can just, you know that. it,
0: you know, <laughs> it, you know, if it's an auction draft, I got a full $200 budget planned out. Uh, if it's a snake draft, I'm looking at ADPs. I'm on the research sites, just getting whatever I can to get prepared for the players I want. Uh, what it comes down to is no matter how many rankings you look at, you just got to remember, you you want to get the players you like. And I know fantasy can drive people just towards who's getting the most points, but it's a way to connect with the game. So you got to go up to players that you're going to enjoy watching on Sundays too and and watching them perform to help you win your league. I 100% agree that. I'll, I'll usually
1: – I'm always the type of guy I, – I've. I've. you know, we watch football. We're really into watching, um, whether it's through analytics in general, but we watch football, I feel like, all the time. I'm not just watching the Minnesota Vikings. You know, I'm a big Vikings fan, but I watch football across the league. Uh, it's really fun when you add fantasy into it, when you find or can draft players that you know you specifically like from different teams because it allowed me to watch those games in a different manner. I know right. – I know for me, since I am such a big Vikings fan, not that I won't do it, but I really struggled drafting Vikings players because yeah. I really feel like I watch the game in a different way than I really want to because I'm focused on, oh, if I have Stephon Diggs or if I'm Adam Thielen, I want one or the other guy to do better than the other because of my fantasy impact. So I kind of just try to avoid Vikings players if I can. Uh, I'm not saying that people should do that, do do what fits best for you, but I know for me it, it helps me so that when I watch games, I'm just focused on the the Vikings winning. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm yeah. always going to choose the Vikings over fantasy, but there's still that impact that I that it, that it has on me too.
0: Well, it's got. I mean, people know you're a Vikings fan, so they they know they try to bid up every single Viking right, right go yeah. in the, the draft, or if it's a snake draft, they try to pick that Viking right before your pick because they're trying to they're trying to get you off base, not even steal a guy from you but like try to rock your rock your emotion and your attitude while you're doing the draft kind of get you emotionally involved so it's it's funny it's almost better when people know you're a fan to avoid that team but I still I still I still play with Stefan Diggs man that's my guy I'm always gonna
1: (laughs) yeah man I mean I have I don't have guys in the Vikings specifically but I have a guy like you know Keenan Allen I think I've had him three the last four years or something like that so uh, he's a guy that I'm always targeting. He's probably yep. my favorite overall player in the league right now, and it's no secret. People that know me, Keenan Allen, they they try to outbid me. I think last year I spent a little bit more than I wanted to on him, but I made sure I got him. <laughs> but it's definitely one of those things that, yeah, you know if when you know your league, you can you can do that. You can adjust how you you might try to outbid somebody or you try to upsell a player because of how much uh, you know that that person might like that specific player. Mm-hmm.
0: So so, Miles. Uh, when you're drafting, when I'm drafting for my league, it always starts with which two keepers am I going to take? Yeah. And uh, bro, I need your help here <laughs> because last year I don't even know why I'm doing a podcast about this because I finished sixth place last year due to one. My league drafted Mahomes, Saquon, Gurley, and DeAndre Hopkins, and then he picked up James Conner off waivers when Le'Veon. Out and he traded for George Kittle. So, oh man, dude, this dude was just running for it, and <laughs> I was, I was like, I'm gonna catch him, he, and I did not catch him. I, uh, I traded away Cooper Cup, I traded away Marlon Mack, and then you know what happened with Kareem Hunt, just ruined my team. So I got some questions about who should I keep, who's just, who's not in the cards, and what you think about it. Yeah, go for it. Let's let's see what you got. So, so my first possible keeper is Chris Carson on the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, uh, he had a a solid 2018, but he's coming off a knee scope. I think Rashad Penny was a draft pick for the Seahawks last year, and he's behind them. And a lot of people are projecting Rashad Penny to take snaps for in, instead of Carson. What are your thoughts on the Seahawks' backfield?
1: Yeah, I think the Seahawks' backfield is definitely one of those situations that's kind of muddled. We don't fully know what they're going to do, but you try to use last year's draft choice in uh, Rashad Penny, you would assume after his rookie year they gave Chris Carson the, the workload, the, the full workload, and, and Rashad Penny sprinkled in here and there. But I really believe they invested a first-round pick in Rashad Penny, so I don't believe they're just going to let him be the number two, uh, you know, second fiddle to Chris Carson. I believe at some point they're going to let him, at least if not split split time, uh, if not maybe even take over the that timeshare, just because they did invest so much in him. Uh, most teams really do that, so it's really hard to just justify drafting Rashad Penny. You, you felt so highly of Penny in the first round that you drafted him. I'd have a hard time if I was a GM, if I was a head coach, of being like, well, we're not going to play him now, or we're going to let Chris Carson Take all the opportunities when Rashad Penny's still only a second season. He sh- he flashed a little bit last year, so so for me, it's really a muddled situation. Not that I don't believe Chris Carson has standalone value, because I do. I just think you might not get the the workload that he that you saw from him last season this year because of Penny.
0: Miles, that's not what I want to hear.
1: Ah, <laughs> not- oh, man, we're here to so, tell the truth, though. That's what that's what we're here for. So,
0: so you don't think Carson's going to be an RB two? in fantasy this year
1: i think he has an opportunity to be to be an rb2 but i think i don't think the upside's there for him to be an rb1 with Carson or with rashad penny on the roster okay
0: and and which of those two backs is like a better receiving back
1: i think it's rashad penny he showed it in college he showed their kick return ability as well um he's the type of guy that has that i'm not going to call him david johnson but there's some of that
0: style to his game all right. Well, I'm not keeping. It. I'm not keeping Chris Carson. <laughs> well, let's see um, what else we got. So, like I said, man, I I traded away Marlon Mack, and I picked up Justin Jackson for the for the Los Angeles Chargers after Melvin Gordon got hurt. Uh, the only reason I'm considering him is because you know Melvin Gordon is doing his holdout thing right now, so. Do you think it's worth like spending a buck or a late round flyer on Justin Jackson? And when do you see Melvin Gordon coming back?
1: I, that's the that's the tough part is we don't know when when or if Melvin Gordon will be back. It sounds like he's willing to potentially hold out for that long haul. I feel like he's in a different situation than Le'Veon Bell is though, because if he doesn't come back, he doesn't accrue a season. He doesn't. Um, he likely won't be able to hit unrestricted free agency the way. Uh, Le'Veon Bell did because Le'Veon Bell was under the franchise tag technically Gordon's under contract Bell was not so they're different situations uh the money's obviously different as well but um for Melvin Gordon it really doesn't do him any favors he's just losing money uh Le'Veon Bell like yes Le'Veon Bell lost money because of the uh franchise tag but he technically wasn't fined and he didn't uh he wasn't fined for not going to camp and doing all that because he wasn't signed Gordon's in a completely different situation. He'd lose all that money. Um, He'd be fined on top of that for missing every every day he misses for camp. So I feel like we're going to see him show up at some point. I'm just not sure when, but it really is one of those tough situations. Maybe it's after week eight when he knows uh, he can still accrue accrue the full season uh, while also not having to get banged up for eight weeks. But Justin Jackson, I like him. I'm just not sure I'd be willing to keep him with based off looking at some of your other options.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I mean, if it's week eight, that's still eight weeks of Justin Jackson. I don't think they're going to load up Austin Eckler all the way. Uh, But just, just to talk about Gordon, it's, it's crazy. I I know that you and Jason had some thoughts about it on the main pod this weekend. I think, I agree with everything that was said, especially when you talk about the beating that these guys are taking. They're, they're sacrificing money, but I think a lot of the running backs are looking at, look, I'm a feature back in the NFL, and I'm playing on the last year of my contract. Like You got you to gotta give me something to let me know that you're not just going to run me into the ground this year because if, if Gordon plays and they use him 80% of snaps – then next off season's is going to come and there's not going to be a big contract waiting for him. So I don't know how any of these feature backs, whether it's Le'Veon Bell or, or Todd Gurley now or Melvin Gordon, even Zeke as he comes up, I don't know how they get comfortable with going into a contract year when you know a team's going to use the crap out of you.
1: Right. Yeah. It's, it's a tough situation and, and in the situation these RBs are in, they, they deserve to get paid. But at the same time, if you're looking at it from the, team's perspective and and seeing the way the Steelers were able to replace Le'Veon Bell fairly easily the way uh the Rams were able to replace Todd Gurley fairly easily um it's Mm -hmm. it'd be hard for me as a team to want to pay a lot of money to my running back because of those reasons not that they're not good players it's 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 a business and do you want to put a majority of your money into a running back when like you said the wear and tear it happens very quickly uh, guys can get hurt at any time, so it's it's one of those situations that's really really tough. But uh, I believe that um, Melvin Gordon will probably be back. And it's just a matter of when.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I think we're going to see more backs do what Le'Veon Bell did and just take a year off, save a year on their off the wear and tear, be fresher for a new team that's going to pay them because you you almost know that the old team isn't.
1: Yeah. Uh, it'll be a definitely an interesting situation as we go because uh, we've seen a lot more holdouts in general. So it's really curious to see how the players approach it um, because they want to get some of that power back.
0: Yeah. So Justin Jackson, just going to monitor the Melvin Gorin situation, but now let's move to some receivers. I got some cheap receivers here. I got Marvin Jones for the Detroit lions and I got Christian Kirk for the Arizona Cardinals. Jones is, next to Kenny Galladay. Uh, the Lions also drafted T.J. Hawkinson, but you know it's a passing offense. One thing is Daryl Bevel, our old friend Daryl Bevel, is a new offensive coordinator in Detroit, so I have no idea what to make of that. But how do you feel about Marvin Jones as a as a wide receiver too or a flex going into 2019? Yeah,
1: I, I've liked Marvin Jones since he was in Cincinnati. I think he's a really good player, and I believe – uh, now that Golden Tate's gone, it really is just Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay uh, for the passing game. And then, obviously, TJ Hawkinson, we'll see how he does as a rookie. But we know rookie tight ends tend to struggle a little bit in the NFL, at least their first year, as they adjust. So I believe Marvin Jones could be a high-end high, uh, high end to mid wide receiver, to Definitely a flex option every week yeah. because you know that the volume's going to be there because Matthew Stafford's more than likely going to be sh- throwing a majority of the 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 passes to those two guys, so um, I definitely like that value for you. Uh, I think it's a really good one, so that's definitely one I'd consider. Uh, I believe Marvin Jones is upside. I don't think he's getting enough credit this season because of Kenny Galladay for one and two, just because um, people think he's a little bit older. He's 29 now, that maybe he falls off a little bit and he he plays second fiddle to to Galladay. But we don't know that Marvin Jones very well could be the wide receiver one this year. Even though Kenny Galladay is the young and up and comer, just because Marvin Jones has been there
0: and he's built that chemistry with Matthew Stafford. Okay, well I like that. I like that. Did you see? Uh, you know, the Lions cut Theo Riddick today.
1: Yeah, that was that was kind of a crazy uh, situation. I'm kind of surprised they did that. Um, I think they're trying to pave the way for on Johnson, uh, but there it looks like they're also looking at you know uh, Minnesota native Zach Zenner, who they've uh, have as one of their backups. So I'm really curious to see what the approach they're trying to go with. Maybe it's – I don't know why they gave it rid to Riddick, to be honest, but because he's one of the better receiving backs in the game. So that was yeah. kind of surprising to me.
0: Real surprising. I can't figure out the Detroit backfield. No, no, all. I can't figure out the Arizona Cardinals receiving core either. I got Christian Kirk here as a possible keeper. Uh, you got a new quarterback. You got a new coach and offensive coordinator. And then they drafted Hakeem Butler – Larry Fitzgerald is still there. They drafted Andy Isabella. So where does Christian Kirk end up for you?
1: I really like Christian Kirk. I have him in my in uh, my dynasty league right now, and he's a guy that I'm I believe could be a wide receiver too this season. He's their top option. Him and Larry Fitzgerald right now. Um, obviously, Larry Fitzgerald's up there in age. Looks like he's probably going to retire after this season. Um, he's going to eat into some of the targets, obviously, because he's that old, reliable. Uh, slot, big slot receiver that you know catches everything. Uh, so you know that a rookie like Kyler Murray is gonna depend heavily on him. Kind of treat him like a tight end in a way. Just use that, use him as a safety blanket. Uh, but Kirsten Kirk really is that guy on this this offense that should really make the passing game go. He can he can beat you short. Uh, he can get you in the screen game and he can beat you downfield. Uh, he's a little bit of do it all uh, type of receiver. Can play inside and out as well. So I really like his potential this season. Um. I worry that if you're going to keep him, though, you're mm-hmm. really expect you're really hoping that he can be a wide receiver too. But in reality, he might he might top out as like a flex option right now, wide receiver three or flex, just because okay. of that offense. We don't know about the offense and how much is later Fitzgerald going to and David Johnson going to eat into the into those targets.
0: Okay, well, okay, so we got Mar- Marvin Jones, maybe Christian Kirk. Now, Miles, you got to tell me, is Michael Thomas worth 60 bucks? I mean, it's just him. He's the only receiver that yeah. New Orleans really has. <laughs> I, I, I don't buy Traquan Smith. I know Alvin Kamara gets a lot of catches out of the backfield, but he's the main wide receiver. Jared Cook doesn't bother me. Do I pay 60 bucks for Michael Thomas?
1: I would. I think if you're getting one of the top – three receivers in fantasy, three to four receivers in fantasy. Uh, You're going to have to pay a premium for him anyways, especially in an auction league. To me, I think $60 is well worth it in a $200 auction league because you're getting that primary guy. You know Michael Thomas is going to be – you know he's going to see 150-plus targets this season. You know that he's going to be the primary receiver in that offense and that he's going to get the opportunity to really put up the biggest numbers. He's going to be that – he's that true number one receiver across the board you want to get that to me part of my strategy is always to get a number one receiver and a number one running back and this gives you this puts you in that situation where you don't have to worry about um finding a true number one receiver because you already have it
0: is he gonna play
1: yeah i think i think i think they'll figure that out because they know how important he is to that offense they'll they'll get that that sorted out pretty quickly i'm sure
0: yeah, I would advise people to watch that contract negotiation as well. Uh, the Saints said they're comfortable with making him the highest-paid receiver in the league, and that's a very interesting way to put it because Michael Thomas, right now, to make him the highest-paid receiver in the league, you got to put him over Odell Beckham, who I think he's around 18. Yep. But you gotta you gotta remember here he's not the only receiver looking for a new contract. Uh, Julio Jones is looking for a new deal. A.J. Green is looking for a new deal. Amari Cooper is on the last year of his contract. So basically what Michael Thomas is trying to do is he's trying to be the last one to sign. So he doesn't just get 18.5. He waits for Julio and A.J. and Amari to sign. And then he tries to come up over top of them. But either way, I think all those guys are playing week one.
1: Yeah. I think that's a really good point, um, bringing up the fact that they're really going to be in that situation. T- to, they're all waiting each other out, right? <laughs> who, budges, who budges first? Um, I be, I feel like Julio really is just waiting for everybody else so that he can just jump them, which makes sense. He's been arguably the best receiver in the league the last three to four seasons. AJ Green's hurt, so I don't really think he's in a situation now to, to be able to uh, get that new contract. And then Amari Cooper is in his last year of his deal, so michael thomas is as well so i feel like they're really it's between those two because they're the young guys that are looking for that next big contract and um i'm not sure (laughs) who's gonna go first but i would assume michael thomas does um maybe he gets that 20 million per year who knows
0: okay and then finally one near and dear to our our purple hearts What is Stephon Diggs' ceiling for 2019? Is he worth $35? That's that's a lot for a wide receiver, too. So can he be a wide receiver one at that price?
1: It is a lot for a wide receiver, too. Where I struggle looking at your keepers, I mean, to me, you're either going Michael Thomas and Marvin Jones. I think Marvin Jones and Diggs can be in that similar category um, of being a wide receiver, too. So that's where I struggle with wanting to spend that premium on digs to be your wide receiver too especially if you're going to run with michael thomas um really love digs his i still don't think we've seen his true potential or his true ceiling for the type of player he can be um that's how good i think this guy can be this the the problem is he's got adam Thielen next to him who deserves all the amount of credit and all the amount of targets and opportunities that he's getting um so you're you're really in that situation. So they're in a they're in a timeshare together, just like Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. Obviously, Diggs and Phelan are better. Um, but we know that they're gonna try to run the ball more. I think what you might see is less targets for Diggs, but the opportunity for bigger plays. So it's not as much of a uh an opportunity. You know what we've seen where, you know, the him and Phelan are both catching eight, nine passes a game or whatever that seven, eight, nine passes, whatever that number is. It's gonna be more of the the four to five to six, but the yardage is going to go up a little higher. That's what I'm expecting. I could be wrong, um, but it looks like they really want to be able to run the ball a lot more and control the clock. Uh, obviously, Thielen and Diggs—they they dig into each other's targets. But I believe um, with the new offense, with them wanting to run the ball more, it might lower the amount of true the amount of targets that him and Thielen see.
0: Okay. Okay, I'm just gonna take that with a grain of salt, telling <laughs> me not to keep a Viking. But uh I, I think that's some pretty good advice, and I would encourage anybody listening if you have some fantasy advice, clearly miles knows what he's talking about. So I hope you guys can can send him some questions. Miles, how do we we're gonna talk about how we feel about other good draft values? maybe one at each position. And then we're going to go into is there a team, an offensive roster that you're trying to get two pieces of rather than just one player? You know, We all know the Saints, the Rams, and the Chiefs have multiple weapons, but are there some other teams that you could maybe do a quarterback and receiver combo or quarterback and tight end combo to, to drive up value? A lot of people like to get that QB receiver connection going to have a big week on any given week
1: yeah that's a really good point i mean i believe um we will go through those those names uh, of teams that we listed um but i believe there are some there are a few teams that i really like to to put myself in that situation obviously the the number one team would be like the the kansas city chiefs because you get a patrick mahomes and potential of a tyree kill whether doesn't i I try to keep the off-field issues out of fantasy decisions just because I know um they're are <laughs> a lot of different situations so um but I think that the Chiefs would probably be my ideal situation there but um you cannot you obviously look at um the the quarterback wide receiver stack it is a really important one in my opinion I try to I try to do it as much as I can um but I don't make it my steadfast I have to do it situation it's just nice to have because you know that you're getting not double the points but you're pretty much um Guaranteeing yourself points when your receiver scores. Yeah, Philip Rivers, Keenan Allen. I've done that situation before. Um, I really like it a lot. Um, I've done Cam Newton and uh, well, it was Devin Funches at the time. I've done that. I've done um, Andrew Luck and T. Y. Hilton. And then another one I've looked at doing is, um, let's see here, Chargers. The, I mean, you could like you. We've talked about with the Vikings, you could do Kirk Cousins and Adam Thien or or Stefan Diggs. Um, Philip Rivers, Drew Brees, Michael Thomas. So there's a lot of really good opportunities out there for you to 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 stack that way.
0: Oof. Yeah, yeah. One under the radar one that I'm looking at is actually Sam Darnold and any of his receivers. Whether you're going with Robbie Anderson, Quincy and was back this year. Uh, Jamison Crowder is getting a lot of hype, so that might be a really budget way to. To spur on your fantasy team and have some big weeks, even though you don't have Le'Veon Bell in that yeah, in that I,
1: team. I'm still trying to put my finger on the Jets. I really like Sam Darnold as the quarterback. I think it's Adam Gase that scares me the most because he we saw what he did in Miami and we know that he misused a lot of his players. So my worry is in New York he's gonna do a similar a similar thing. But I think Darnold might Darnold's obviously a better quarterback than what he had and Ryan Tannehill last year. So I, I feel like there might at least have an opportunity where Darnold just outplays that that offense.
0: Yeah, I, I bet a lot of people are going to go in yeah, on the Browns okay. too. I think Baker and Odell or Baker and Jarvis, a lot of people are going to try to be heading that route in your league. So watch out for that strategy. If you see somebody draft Odell, I bet they're going to try to get back on Baker later on in the draft.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point.
0: Yeah, okay, so how about if we just go through each position, What what's a good value at quarterback, do you think, Miles?
1: Yeah, for me, I mean, I've been riding this trend for a while. I'm a big Dak Prescott fan. I believe you can get him cheap, whether in an auction draft, I think I believe you can get him cheap. And then in a an, in an, uh, snake draft, I believe you can get him late. So he's a guy that gives you that dual threat. Um, and then obviously with uh, bringing in Amari Cooper last year, their offense just, it really took off. They have Zeke, who I believe will be back soon. Um, so they, they have a really good offense this year, and I believe that he has the opportunity to put up some really good numbers on top of his rushing ability. Uh,
0: quarterback-wise – oh, no, sorry, go ahead. Oh, we, do we got the kiddo going back on in the background?
1: Yeah, sorry about that. He's uh, <laughs> he's not too happy. I don't know if he liked my my quarterback pick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, But how about you, Flip? I'll try to turn that down a little bit. How about for you, Flip, uh, what quarterback are you looking at?
0: I'm looking at Jimmy Garoppolo. I I know that you know he missed all of 2018, or maybe played a few games. Um, only really had that five game hot streak back in 2017 to end that season. But I think he's just way off a lot of people's radars. Um, you can you can draft him as a backup. He's a flyer at this point, and he's being valued under guys like Mitch Trubisky, Jared Goff. Uh, your your boy Prescott I think if Garoppolo stays healthy they could you could definitely see some good QB two. he can be a guy who starts for you when your main quarterback is out and he has a ceiling that's even higher than that if some of these receivers hit for San Francisco because they still got Kyle Shanahan designing that offensive scheme
1: yeah I think that's a, a really good one I like I do like Jimmy Garoppolo but I feel like we haven't we still haven't seen his potential because he hasn't Last year got hurt. Last year was his first opportunity to be a full time starter. So I'm really curious to see how he rebounds this year. Mm-hmm. Moving mm-hmm. on and to running backs, what are you looking at for? Uh, I, I see your list. So yeah. what are you looking at? And I see a familiar a familiar name here. What? Uh, who's your running back that you're uh, that you believe uh, you
0: could get a good draft value for? So I just see. You know, I had to look far down because I think actually the running back position is just such a it's sloppy right now there's a bunch of guys who you don't know what they're going to do but one guy i think who's very undervalued right now is deon lewis for the tennessee titans um he was getting 14 touches per game last year he had 59 catches total so he is their ppr back in tennessee i know that derrick henry stole a lot of his thunder he was basically the feature back for the titans But you can't forget about Deion Lewis, and for him to be the 49th-ranked running back, I think that's way too low. He's a a top-end second running back in the NFL right now, and that makes him, you know, around the 40 range or the 35 range when it comes to running backs for fantasy. Uh, I I think you draft him late and see what his upside can be because he could easily be an RB2. Tennessee has a new... Offensive system with Matt LaFleur leaving for Green Bay, I I think that's good value there.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, I like that pick a lot. I think um, Derrick Henry is a guy that I believe could be their every down back. I think uh, Deion Lewis does have that specific skill set that Derrick Henry doesn't. Not that Derrick Henry's not a good receiver, he's just not the style of receiver that Deion Lewis is.
0: Yeah, he's not. Lewis isn't going to get a lot of touchdowns, but he'll be involved. Who's your running back, Miles?
1: Yeah, for me, my my running back that I just don't believe people are really trying to own a lot of, and I believe he's a really good player. Marlon Mack. I think people are a little bit worried about how his rookie season went. Uh, he was drafted pretty late for the Colts, but um, they he's a really he's their most talented uh, running back on their team. They didn't go out and really invest in another running back to replace him. Uh, it's really him, Jordan Wilkins, and Naheem Hines. And then they, they went out and got Spencer Ware, but he's been on PUP, and I don't believe he's really too valuable of, a, of an asset for them anyways. So to me, it's really Marlon Mack because he can catch, um, and he's, really, uh, he's a really good running back. Um, I believe he has a lot of value this season. I, I just think it's getting a little bit overlooked in a really talented offense that we know is going to run the ball, uh, and they're going to use their running backs in the, in the pass game. So I believe Naheem Hines really is, like like a Deion Lewis, their PPR style of running back. But I believe that Marlon Mack can do a little bit of both and as their number one running back.
0: Yeah, Marlon Mack, I mean, drafted in 2017, he flashed right away. So it's, it's crazy that it's taken him this long to even become the feature back in Indianapolis. Yeah. And he's still being underrated based on just every time you watch him play. Like, he looks – he looks great out there. So I'm excited to see what he can do.
1: Yeah, me too. I that
0: Colts offense in general is going to be pretty good. Okay. What are you looking at as in terms of wide receiver?
1: Yeah, well, I'm kind of stacking your quarterback here. Uh, Dante Pettis for me, uh, kind of in a similar situation as Marlon Mack. Uh, Obviously he was a second round pick in 2017 or 2018, excuse me. Um, in a 2018 draft, he was probably their most talented receiver last year. They let Pierre Garcon walk. Um, they have Marquise Goodwin on on the team, but um, he's been in and out of injury with injuries. And uh, they went on and drafted a Debo Samuel in the second round, but they didn't really go out and get anybody that that you believe was going to be like somebody that's can really contend to be a wide receiver one against Dante Pettis. I believe Debo Samuel has the opportunity. But I think Pettis is the best receiver on that team, and I just don't think people are really valuing him high enough. So for me, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get him as cheap as I can because I believe he's got that opportunity to be, a, in fantasy, a wide receiver too. He's going to see a lot of the targets. He can line up inside and out. Him and Debo Samuel really complement each other where they both can play inside and out while also move around the formation a lot. Um, Marquise Goodwin will probably be that deep threat, which he's been for them. Um, but I just believe Pettis, outside of George Kittle, obviously, um, is their best pass catcher.
0: All right, that's, that's great value. I think I agree with you there. Pettis wasn't on my radar, honestly, but I'm going to definitely take a look at him, see if I can get him on the squad.
1: How about you? What uh, what wide receiver are you, you looking at for
0: value? So I'm looking at the Denver Broncos, and, you know, our old man Case Keenan was there last year. They brought in Joe Flacco to replace him. Flacco isn't anybody's favorite quarterback but you have to think he's an upgrade over Case Keenum. And then you got a guy going into his second year, Cortland Sutton, who's starting to get prime primary receiver snaps for that team. So Sutton's going to get a better quarterback throwing him the ball. He no longer has Demarius the Thomas there. And Emmanuel Sandals is coming back from like an Achilles injury. Um, I, I think Cortland Sutton has sky high ceiling. If Joe Flacco can have any type of a solid year, it's going to involve Cortland Sutton. He's going to be a primary weapon in that offense. Him, Phillip Lindsay, and and Joe Flacco are basically – it's going to look a lot different in Denver, and Cortland's going to be the beneficiary of that.
1: Yeah, you bring up some really good points. I'm really curious to see what that offense is going to look like. Um, Emmanuel Sanders looks like he could be back. But to your point, I mean, Sutton really – they brought in Sutton to be the future. Uh, they moved on from Jamarius Thomas. I like Deshaun Hamilton a lot too, but um, I believe that the the true upside does does sit with Sutton.
0: So I really like that pick a lot. Yeah, future is now, Miles. Future is now. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, and and for my tight end, I'm I'm on that Chris Herndon bandwagon. I've loved him since the draft. He's ranked as the 19th best fantasy tight end right now, which is ridiculous. I mean, we've got. I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it. We've got Kyle Rudolph above him in fantasy rankings. We've got got Austin Hooper. We've got Jack Doyle. Like, come on. This guy is going to catch some balls. He's a receiving threat. He's not that blocker threat. And so, yeah, I know, same thing with Adam Gase. But he's clearly got the talent for the Jets. Does the four-game suspension worry you at all? Does that temper your expectations just a little bit? I really don't think so. I mean, tight ends—a guy where you got a boomer, boomer, bust position, anyways. So I'm just gonna draft a, a a role player tight end, basically a guy who's gonna grind out eight to ten points for me a week, and then see what Chris Herndon can do when he pops, when he comes back in.
1: Yeah, I really like that strategy. I believe, um, you know, you you could draft a, another tight end like a, let's say, um, an Eric Ebron or. Um, the guy that I'm looking at right now, uh, Trey Burton, um, with the Chicago bears, uh, a guy, or like you said, an Austin Hooper, somebody that, you know, is going to get C targets while you wait for hoop, uh, while you wait for Herndon to serve his four game suspension. And then you can look at potentially, um, getting that opportunity where he could jump in and, and really thrive the, the back half of the season. Um, but yeah, jumping into mine, uh, Trey Burton from the the Chicago Bears, I thought last year's first season in in Chicago didn't go as well as you would have liked. Obviously, Mitchell Trubisky was still um, kind of figuring himself out and growing. That offense was brand new. I don't think they fully had um, everybody implemented the way they wanted to. I think with that entire because that whole offense basically was turned over the skill position at the at the skill position um, from twenty seventeen to twenty eighteen. So I believe in that year two under uh, Matt Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky at the helm. I think Trey Burton could be really one of those guys that uh, benefits extremely well uh, by seeing more targets and uh, just more overall opportunity. They paid him to be their tight end one, uh, and I think he's one of their better playmakers.
0: Okay, so I'm I, so much has changed in Chicago. What yeah. other playmakers? I know they got, what, Cordero Patterson there. They got Robinson and and a couple sophomore receivers, and then they got a complicated-ass backfield. <laughs> yeah, uh, Who who are Chicago's running backs right now, Tariq Cohen and who?
1: Yeah, Tariq Cohen, they drafted David Montgomery in the third round this year, which I think was a, a really good value because I, they traded Jordan Howard for a sixth-round pick, and David Montgomery gives you a little bit more of that dual-threat opportunity that Jordan Howard didn't. That's what they wanted. Uh, Matt Nagy and their offense, they wanted a running back that could do a little bit of both: rush, run, run the ball between the tackles, as well as catch the ball to the backfield. Tree Cohens, obviously, that spark plug, that guy that he can do everything for them. He can uh, be their their gadget player. Uh, they lined him up with a f- all over the field last year, and I I believe he still has his standalone value even with David Montgomery getting drafted in the third. Uh, and then they brought in Mike Davis from Seattle last year, who who had a really pretty good season with Seattle, and I think he could be their um, their third complimentary back to uh, Montgomery and Cohen so that it is kind of a crowded backfield and uh, I'm really curious to see how those snaps and uh, the targets and the rushes how they all get divvied out because you do have a little bit of a different guys from um, from all three so but they all can run between the tackles and they all can catch the ball uh, obviously tree Cohen is a little bit ahead of both those guys and the ability to uh, um, Score from anywhere on the field because of his speed.
0: Okay, but how many carries is Cordero Patterson gonna have?
1: <laughs> um, i that, that's a really good question. I don't know how much he's gonna be involved because of all the mouths they do have to feed. Um, I really could I wouldn't be surprised if he if we see what uh, similar situation is what he did in New England where he was just kind of a situational player. Um, obviously he'll return kicks, but then you put him in that uh, in the backfield, you know, a couple times a game. You, you put him in the jet sweeps um, and you do all that. But to me, I don't really think he's going to be, he's not going to have a fantasy impact um, unless there are quite a bit of injuries in my opinion.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, with all the receivers they have too, he might be a Viking by the end of next month. You never, you never know. <laughs> they got way too many mouths. Yeah, Chicago. they do. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what, miles, that's all I've got. You got any closing notes you want to share with the, with the, no, fans?
1: I think that wraps our first, uh, Climb in the pocket fantasy uh, show. And I think I can hear my son telling me that I need to get off. And um, I'm sure my wife feels the same way, but um, I think I'm really, like I said at the start of the show, I'm really excited to, to, to dive into this with you as we move forward, we're looking at having uh, at least one show a week. And then there might be a standalone solo pod um, with flip or myself as we, as we go, you know, talking waiver wires, talking um, trade strategy, talking, um, buy sell or hold um stuff like that those kind of topics so um and then we'll probably start integrating a, a um, some twitter questions from people and and start answering those on on our podcast so I'm, I'm really
0: excited me too man so stay tuned y'all and miles it's been great let's keep this thing going definitely thanks a lot everybody